Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time for Sorallo Sports Talk with Joe Sorallo. Here we go. The show is back. After taking some time off, just like last year, following Radio Row, following the Super Bowl, Serralo Sports Talk is back. It's time for episode 58, and I can't wait. But let's talk about Tom Brady, because when the news broke that he was retiring a couple of months ago, we gave him a send-off here on this show. We acknowledged his incredible career, why he's the GOAT, why it's not even up for discussion or debate. And Tom did what we all in the back of our minds kind of expected Tom to do. Tom Brady has unretired, and I just want to make this very clear. Him unretiring does not, in my opinion, take away from his career. I don't have anything negative to say about him, even though it was a little bit of an attention-seeking move. But Tom Brady's not getting another send-off, right? This is a one-time deal. I'm not going to sit here today and say how thrilled and happy I am Tom Brady's coming back, how the NFL couldn't live or thrive without Tom Brady. A lot of great quarterbacks in this league, right? Let's establish that. A lot of great quarterbacks in this league. Tom Brady coming back, there's no guarantee Tom Brady wins another Super Bowl. He just had an MVP caliber season. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers just put up a better fight against uh, the Super Bowl champs, the LA Rams in the postseason, than anyone did. Had the Rams on the absolute ropes at the end of that game, despite not showing in the first half of play, but Tom Brady's back. We're going to leave it at that. He got his send off when he now does actually retire. Unless it's a Super Bowl recap show, he's not getting another send off. So we're just leaving it right there. Tom Brady's back. The Tampa Bay Bucks are, of course, NFC South favorites. They are probably, depending on how many guys the Rams are able to retain, they are probably NFC favorites because, yes, they've lost a couple guys. You know, you've got Ali Marpet who retired. Jordan Whitehead just signed with the Jets. They've still got Brady, Evans, Godwin, Gronk. Now you know Gronk will be back. They just added Russell Gage. So I'm not as concerned with Tom Brady being back and back for the Buccaneers as I am how this impacts the quarterback market across the league. Because there's one guy right now who is clearly the hottest name on the market, and that's Deshaun Watson. He's going to play this season, right? You can have your opinion of Deshaun Watson. I can have mine. That's all good and well. Regardless of all that, he's going to play this season. And there are probably about a dozen teams who would love for Deshaun Watson to be suiting up for them. The weird thing about Deshaun Watson, and this is the thing that coincides with Tom Brady's return, is that right now it seems like the three front runners to get him might all be the NFC South teams not named the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Panthers and Saints were both absolute obvious choices, but now the newest reports are saying that there's mutual interest between Deshaun Watson and the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons, who, by the way, their quarterback, Matt Ryan, has a record-setting cap hit going against them this season. Now they're reportedly in on the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, and I have to be honest, this is the team out of any other NFC South team, of course, not named Tampa Bay, that surprises me the most. That actually makes the least amount of sense 
in my opinion, to go land Deshaun Watson. Obviously, Matt Ryan would have to be a part of that deal. And he's got a guaranteed cap hit that cripples the Falcons. But look deeper into Atlanta's issues, right? Look at last week. Calvin Ridley, their all-pro stud star wide receiver, is suspended for the entirety of the season. Russell Gage, who stepped up tremendously this year with Ridley in and out of the lineup, just signed with Tampa Bay. Russell Gage is going to be replacing Antonio Brown as the number three wideout, probably the slot guy, down in Tampa. So you lose Russell Gage to a divisional rival. Calvin Ridley is suspended for the entire season. And Cordero Patterson is currently an unrestricted free agent. What the hell would Deshaun Watson be walking into? Doesn't have the best offensive line. I know they just locked up Jake Matthews with an extension. I just don't see in terms of weapons, in terms of the trenches on either side of the ball. I mean, you know, looking deeper into Atlanta's defense, there's just not a whole lot there. I don't see why Deshaun Watson would want to go play for the Atlanta Falcons, unless maybe he has ties to the city of Atlanta. I mean, you look at the Falcons with Deshaun, your ceiling is second place in your own division. So you're, you know, guaranteeing that your ceiling is, if you make it to the playoffs, you're going to be on the road. That's not all that enticing to me. Kind of like how Russell Wilson going to Denver, I didn't find that fit to be all that enticing. I just don't understand the Atlanta Falcons as a player for Deshaun Watson. In fact, I absolutely hate the Atlanta Falcons as a player for Deshaun Watson. Now, the Saints, I think, could be an incredible fit if if they're able to navigate the cap situation, which, you know, look, it's not impossible, right? We, as soon as the offseason hits, we make a big deal out of, oh, this team's so much over the cap, 40 mil, 30 mil over. They're not going to do anything. Look at what the Green Bay Packers just did, right? They cut Zadarius Smith. They converted a few salaries to bonuses, and they're bringing Aaron Rodgers back on an all-time extension that's going to pay him three years, 150 mil. They're bringing back Devontae Adams, who, good for him, has said that he won't play under the franchise tag. When things are all said and done, when September rolls around, Devontae Adams is going to play, right? I'm sure Green Bay will restructure some other stuff. They'll work something out. Devontae Adams, as long as Aaron Rodgers is the Green Bay Packers quarterback, Devontae Adams will be his wide receiver one. So he'll get at least a three-year deal to work with because the two of them go hand in hand like no other quarterback receiver duo in football. On the defensive side, they retain Preston Smith. Aaron Jones ain't going anywhere in the backfield, right? Green Bay had nothing to work with in terms of cap. We were all writing them off. It's impossible. They navigated no problem. It's easy to manipulate the salary cap for NFL GMs. The Saints can maybe do the same. And then you've got Deshaun Watson, Alvin Kamara, You've got an incredible defense. They just restructured Marcus Davenport's deal, made it a little more team-friendly. Cam Jordan, one of the best edge rushers in football. Michael Thomas comes back healthy next year. All of a sudden, the New Orleans Saints, who were, you know, just shy of that seventh wildcard spot this year with an absolute train wreck at quarterback all season long. All of a sudden, I mean, if they can pull Deshaun Watson, the Saints, who went 2-0 against Tampa Bay this season, 4-0 against Tom Brady and the Bucs in the regular season since Brady's been down there. The Saints are a team that can challenge Tampa Bay atop the division with Deshaun. But the Falcons cannot. And the Carolina Panthers, even though Deshaun would be a good fit there, of course, you know, played his college ball in Clemson, South Carolina, goes to North Carolina. Everyone in the Carolinas absolutely loves him. Deshaun Watson goes to the Panthers. They can be good. Similarly to Atlanta, though, I don't really see them. It's a better situation, but I don't really see them eclipsing second place in that division. To me, it's the Saints. But what makes even more sense 
is to look from the NFC South to the AFC North. Now, apparently, the only team in the AFC North that's really in on Deshaun right now is the Cleveland Browns, which, I mean, if I'm Baker Mayfield, I'm pissed, right? Because there were rumors last week that Tampa Bay was looking into inquiring Baker uh, before Tom Brady announced that he was coming back. And now you've got rumors that the Browns are looking into Deshaun Watson. And if I'm Baker Mayfield, look, I don't think Baker Mayfield has what it takes to get Cleveland further than where they were last year. And that's a competitive divisional round contest with the Chiefs. I think that might have been Baker's ceiling. I don't think he's going to win a Super Bowl. I don't even know if he's going to get to a Super Bowl. We've certainly seen worse quarterbacks get to a Super Bowl. You know, Jared Goff got to a Super Bowl. Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. But I just don't think Baker has what it takes to win a Super Bowl. So I don't blame Cleveland for looking for a better solution, a proven guy like Deshaun Watson, who when he's on, when he's healthy, when there's no outside distractions, he's a top five quarterback in the National Football League. But if I'm Baker, and rightfully so, I'm pissed. You know, team was already looking at shopping me to Tampa Bay until Brady said he's coming back. Now they're looking at Deshaun Watson. I'm pissed. But for the Cleveland Browns, it makes sense. Deshaun Watson makes the Cleveland Browns I believe the best team in that division, when you look at most complete, both sides of the ball, best team in that division, they do need help at the receiver position. Uh, I don't know about the Amari Cooper deal. Personally, I feel bad for Amari Cooper if he's stuck there with Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry. They let him go. He gets to, you know, maybe seek to team up with Odell somewhere else. Uh, But they need help at the receiver position. Deshaun takes him to a new level, though. Maybe the best team in that division with Deshaun Watson. Similarly, The Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the team I've been waiting to get to this whole time. The Pittsburgh Steelers. I know they just signed Mitchell Trubisky. He is not the answer. He never will be the answer. If the Steelers can make a play for Deshaun Watson and keep Trubisky as insurance in case something else comes up, in case Watson can't play, but if they can go make a play for Deshaun Watson, that is the no-brainer right there, right? Because as things stand, the Steelers should still draft a quarterback. I think Kenny Pickett, is the perfect fit, went to the University of Pittsburgh, thrived there, best that that program's been in years. If the Steelers can keep Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh and draft him in the first round, that's the guy. Maybe he doesn't start right away. Maybe it's Trubisky for a full season, a half a season. You do a bridge situation. But right now, the Steelers should look to the draft. Trubisky is not the answer. I think if you want a long-term answer and you want to be able to draft around your quarterback, Deshaun Watson makes the Steelers the best team in that division, right? There's no doubt they have the best defense in that division. They had an anemic offense this season, still got to the playoffs because of that defense. And if you look at the weapons that you would have alongside Deshaun, I think he gets the best out of Chase Claypool. I think he makes Juju want to stay and play with him. Najee Harris, I think that the two of them in that backfield is going to be some option for the Steelers. And then you look at the coaching staff, right? You look at Mike Tomlin, who, of course, you know, so much was made of the awful situation in the NFL currently with blackhead coaches and Tomlin, who at one point in the offseason or during the playoffs, rather, was the only employed blackhead coach, have him team up with Deshaun, who has been a huge advocate for Brian Flores and who has made it known he wants to play for Brian Flores, who's now an assistant on the defensive side of things for Pittsburgh. All of a sudden, I think between team chemistry, defense, and Deshaun right now, playing like Big Ben did, you know, 10, 12 years ago. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers, if they bring in Deshaun Watson, are the best team in the AFC North and in the best position that that franchise has been in in about a decade. 
To me, that's the no-brainer. And that is not said with any disrespect to Joe Burrow or the Cincinnati Bengals. I think the Cincinnati Bengals can get right back to the Super Bowl next year. Going to be tough. I mean, you know, the Bills, the Chiefs, and that's just outside of their own division. No disrespect to them. But if you want to look at a more complete team, Pittsburgh is better off in the trenches. Pittsburgh has the better defense. I think if they bring in Deshaun Watson, the Pittsburgh Steelers are probably the best team in the AFC North. They also have the better head coach, better coaching staff as a whole. To me, that's a no-brainer. So, you know, I get the Saints. I get the Panthers. The Falcons, to me, makes no sense. To me, the Pittsburgh Steelers need to have a little bit of urgency here because Mitch Trubisky is not going to get you a winning record, right? If Mitch Trubisky is the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback this season, Mike Tomlin is going to have his first losing record ever as head coach in Pittsburgh. You need to go out. You need to get Deshaun Watson. I mean, I'd be I'd be pounding the table, right? Begging for, praying for my Giants to go get Deshaun Watson. But I know that's not going to happen. The Giants are not in a position where they can win now. This is a test season. See how Daniel Jones does under Dayball. Get him an offensive line. Hopefully the receivers and Saquon all stay healthy. See what you have to work with potentially moving forward, right? It's an experimental get back on track year for them. Pittsburgh is in a situation where they can win now. And the only way they can do so is with a quarterback like Deshaun Watson. You got to go get him. But there's one other quarterback I have to touch on. And that is Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson going to Denver makes absolutely zero sense in my opinion. And that's for mainly the same reason that Deshaun going to the Atlanta Falcons or the Carolina Panthers wouldn't make a lot of sense to me. I get that the Broncos are a quarterback away from being competitive. They've got receivers. They're good on both sides of the trenches. They've got a really good defensive backfield. I get all of that. But Russell Wilson, who at this point in his career has been around for over a decade, has already won a Super Bowl, been to two, wants to win another. He is going into a situation, into a division, where he is going to be fortunate to finish in second place. I don't understand how Russell Wilson would waive his no-trade clause to go to a team in a division where he is not even going to win the division, especially considering what he just experienced in the NFC West this year, an incredibly competitive division where I predicted the Seahawks would actually come in second place and they came in last. Now he's going to Denver where you're not going to beat out the Chiefs for the division. And you've got the Raiders who just finished in second place. Doesn't look like the Raiders got any worse. You've got the Chargers who just finished in third place a game out of the playoffs. They're getting a hell of a lot better. They're actually going to put a defense out on the field. What a crazy concept this season. And then you've got the Broncos who didn't have a quarterback. If they did, maybe they would have finished in second place, but there was never a question of the Broncos dethroning the Chiefs. So, you know, Russ Wilson, you could have, and again, I don't know if the Colts inquired, but you could have maybe gone to Indianapolis where that move makes the Colts division favorites and possible Super Bowl contenders. You could have gone to the Washington Commanders who that move maybe makes the Commanders division favorites. I wouldn't quite say Super Bowl contenders, but You got a chance in Washington to win the division. I'm not all that sold on the Cowboys. I think that they're going to take a step back next season. It's like maybe Pittsburgh could have gotten involved. I don't know. Again, I know Washington was the only team that I can certainly say made an offer to Seattle. Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, that's all speculation. But those are situations where he's got a much better chance at winning the division than he will have in Denver. 
And I know that the Chiefs are making some questionable moves. Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger, who has been the heart and soul of that defense, is leaving. That's pretty much confirmed, especially with the signing of Justin Reed. Charvarius Ward just signed with the 49ers. He's out making that secondary even worse than it already was. And that secondary showed how vulnerable they were, especially in that Buffalo game in the postseason. And then they cut Anthony Hitchens at almost the absolute beginning of the offseason. And so Kansas City defensively, I have no idea what direction they're looking in. Offensively, they've still got Mahomes, Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. Josh Gordon says he's going to play. There's been rumors that Jarvis Landry is interested. They've got a fool's gold of riches on the offensive side of the ball. They're going to win the division, right? So Russ Wilson going to Denver, I, I don't fully get it. Again, the Broncos are better off because of it. They're probably a playoff team because of it, but they're not a team that can make a deep run into the playoffs. And if I'm a Russ Wilson, if I'm a Deshaun Watson, right? A Pro Bowl, all pro talent quarterback, and Russ Wilson's case, a Super Bowl winner. That's the goal, right? What's my best chance at getting to the Super Bowl? Not the playoffs, the Super Bowl. The playoffs have become oversaturated. 14 teams. We saw how bad wildcard weekend was. Getting to the playoffs does not mean you have a shot. It used to. It used to mean that the sixth seed, you know, the Giants, the Steelers, the Packers, all wildcard teams used to have a shot. Now, you don't. Plain and simple. You you don't automatically have a shot at winning the Super Bowl just for being a playoff team anymore. And so, you know, I don't understand Russ going to Denver. I don't understand Deshaun, why he'd want to go to Atlanta or Carolina. Go to a team where you can win your division, get at least one home game in the postseason, and then go on a run like the Bengals did, right? The Bengals won their division, got them on a roll, and they went on a run. If you're Deshaun, you want to be the AFC North champion next year. You don't want to be a wildcard team going to Kansas City, a wildcard team going to Buffalo. You want to be a division champ. So I think for Deshaun, Pittsburgh's the answer. For Russ, I don't believe it was Denver. We'll see what these quarterbacks can do. But free agency is heating up. It has only just begun. I can't wait to see where some other dominoes fall right here on Serralo Sports Talk. All right, it's time for my final word here on Serralo Sports Talk. Let's take a look at March Madness. I know that this show, I cover football more than any other sport, and it's really not even close, but I've got to get back on track. I won my bracket three years ago, two tournaments ago. Of course, there was no tournament in 2020 because of COVID. 2019, I won it all with Virginia. I've got to get back on track, and with the field of 64 being set, let's see how my bracket is going to unfold. We're going to start in the West with Gonzaga. I've got them going to the Final Four. I really thought about this for quite some time. I think Memphis knocks off Boise. Gonzaga has no problem getting to the Sweet 16. But it's a Sweet 16 matchup with Arkansas that I think could be the only thing preventing Gonzaga from getting to the Final Four. That's the game that scares me the most. I have Texas Tech going on to the Sweet 16. I think Duke could legitimately fall in the round of 32 to Davidson. I've got Davidson beating Michigan State. Not impressed with some of the weak losses on Sparty's resume down the stretch. Davidson is the kind of team that they kind of live and die by three-point shooting. If they're hitting from beyond the arc, they can knock not only Michigan State off, but Duke off in the round of 32. I think we get a Texas Tech-Duke Sweet 16 matchup in which the Red Raiders knock off Coach K. It's going to be a very disappointing last season. Already has been losing his final game at Cameron Indoor to North Carolina, losing the ACC title game to Virginia Tech, and now I think losing in the Sweet 16 to Texas Tech to cap off his career. And then Gonzaga, I think, will have an easier time with Texas Tech 
than I see them having with Arkansas. That, that's a real tough matchup. I think Arkansas, the winner of that game, will probably go to the Final Four, but I have Gonzaga winning that game, beating Texas Tech, and going to the Final Four. So who are they going to take on? The winner of the East. It's Baylor over Norfolk State, and then they get the winner of North Carolina Marquette. I don't know if it's going to turn out this way, but I've got all the nine seeds winning. So I've got Baylor, Marquette, and the Bears moving on. I've got UCLA meeting them in the Sweet 16, and this game is going to be Final Four quality right here. I think similarly to uh, Gonzaga, Arkansas, the winner of this game could go to the Final Four. Uh, This one's a coin flip. You know, Baylor really did not end the year on the right note, and UCLA had Arizona on the ropes in that Pac-12 title game. Maybe they're up to a three seed if they knock Arizona off. The bottom line is UCLA is a two seed uh, that just got a four seed because of injuries, right? This is a team that was, you know, in the final four a year ago when they had no business being there. They have the talent, the leadership of a two seed. They're all returning players in their starting five. The Bruins can knock off anyone in the country, but I'm going to stick with Baylor in this one. Going down the bracket a bit, I think Virginia Tech is a real threat. I think that they're going to have an easy time knocking off Texas. I have been incredible at fading Texas this year and making money going against the Longhorns. And then I think they beat Purdue. Uh, They're my one double-digit seed. You got to have one double-digit seed at least, if not two or three, in your Sweet 16 every year. Usually, I try to get two in there this year. I just don't, for whatever reason, love underdogs as much as I normally do. So I'm going with Virginia Tech, my lone double-digit seed in the Sweet 16. I've got them beating Purdue and then ultimately falling to Kentucky. I think Kentucky is just too good. The Wildcats are on another level. Coach Cal's squad is as good as any team in the nation. Ty Ty Washington is as good as any player in the nation. And if it weren't for injuries this year, Kentucky would probably be a one seed. So I'm going with Kentucky to knock off uh, Virginia Tech and then to knock off Baylor and have a date with Gonzaga in the Final Four. Now let's look at the right side of the bracket, starting with Arizona and the South. It's going to be Arizona over TCU in my round of 32. Arizona might have the easiest first two games of any one seed. I don't really think Satan Hall or TCU has a chance to knock them off. You look at the way Arizona finished, they had one bad loss to Colorado. Outside of that, they ran the table as good as any team in the country this season from start to finish. But when you get down to the 5, the 4, the 12, the 13, that's where things get tricky. Houston. I think UAB is the best 12 seed of all four, but for some reason, I think they ran into the best 5 seed. And I like Houston. It wouldn't shock me if the Blazers pull off the upset in this one. But I'm going with Houston because I like them to make a run. I like them to beat UAB, to beat Illinois, and ultimately to beat Arizona, my first region where a one seed is not making it to my Elite Eight. I've got Houston beating Arizona and a five seed in the Elite Eight. Looking down, the first game of the round of 64, Colorado State-Michigan. This is the only six seed I have winning. Colorado State, I think, beats Michigan despite the fact that they are an underdog. Only the third time ever since the field of 64 started and seeding started that a six seed has been an underdog to an 11 seed. The last two times, 11 seeds won by double digits. This time, I think Colorado State wins the game outright. They've got Tennessee, though. And Tennessee ended the season playing about as good basketball as anyone. Won the SEC tournament, knocked off a piping hot Texas A&M squad, and really never even let A&M make that game close. So Colorado State 
Their run ends against Tennessee. And then I think Loyola Chicago beats Ohio State. I know that this line has differed right now. Loyola Chicago might even be favored in this one. They're going to beat Ohio State, who had some really bad losses, and then fall to Villanova. You're not going to get Loyola Chicago knocking off a one or two seed. I know last year they beat Illinois, shocked the world. I had Illinois winning it all. Loyola Chicago loses to Villanova, and Nova is going to beat Tennessee in the Sweet 16. Tennessee's the hotter team, even though they both just won their conference championships. Tennessee, I think, did so in a little more convincing fashion, but these two teams already went head-to-head. They play a very similar style of basketball, slow half-court pace. They try to heat up from beyond the arc and play great defense. I think Nova, already having beaten Tennessee by 18 points in their meeting earlier this season, is the better team, has the better coach, has the advantage. I'm going to go with Nova against Houston in the Elite Eight. And then I think that's where the Cougars fall. I think Jay Wright is just one of the best tournament coaches we've ever seen. And the Villanova Wildcats get to the Final Four. So I've got Gonzaga, Kentucky, Nova, a one and two two seeds. How do I see the Midwest shaping out? Well, Kansas is going to take on Creighton in the round of 32. I like, like I said, all nine seeds. So Creighton to get past San Diego State. And then I've got Kansas advancing to the Sweet 16. So I've got all four one seeds getting to at least the Sweet 16. 5, 12, 4, 13. I like Iowa. You know, I want to go with Richmond here. I think that with a couple of fifth-year players, they're a talented team. They play one of the best defensive uh, schemes in the country. Richmond could be a real problem here, but Iowa ultimately is one of the best teams from one of the best conferences. I think that they're underseeded as a five seed, and it's just like UAB had a bad draw with Houston. It's a bad draw for Richmond here. I think, you know, if Richmond had UConn, that that's a game that they could win. But in this case, I'm going with Iowa and I'm going with Providence. And this was another really tough one for me to decide on. South Dakota State, if they get hot from three, it's lights out, game over. Providence plays too slow of a pace to catch up. But will Ed Cooley's squad allow that? They haven't been the best in March Madness in recent years. They had an incredible season. A lot of firsts this year for Providence. I think they're going to win this one and then ultimately fall to Iowa in the round of 32. Going down to the bottom half, like I said, 3-11 seeds. I'm going with Iowa State to beat LSU. Will Wade is out as the coach of LSU. A lot of violations, a lot of sanctions on their way, a lot of distractions. Even though Iowa State ended the year really poorly once conference play started, I still think they're better than LSU, who doesn't really boast a lot of quality wins. I think Wisconsin is going to knock off Iowa State and head to the Sweet 16, where they'll take on Auburn. I like USC to beat Miami, really weak down year for the ACC. And then I like Auburn, who is a two seed that if they won the SEC tournament, probably would have dethroned Baylor to be a one seed. I like Auburn to go to the Sweet 16. I don't think they have too much of a tough time with Wisconsin, but I think Iowa beats Kansas. I think two one seeds are not going to make it past the Sweet 16. Two five seeds will take them down. That's Houston over Zona, Iowa over Kansas. And then ultimately, I have Iowa over Auburn. And my final four is a one-seed Gonzaga, two twos Kentucky Villanova, and a five-seed Iowa. And I've got Kentucky cutting down the nets, beating Gonzaga in the final four, and beating Iowa, a five-seed, in my championship game. Five seeds are the highest seeds to have never won an NCAA title. I think a five-seed gets there this year. But I think at the end of the day, it's John Calipari and his healthy Kentucky Wildcats, who when they are healthy, I believe are the best team in the country, cutting down the nets over Iowa.
And that does it. Episode 58 of Serralo Sports Talk is up. It's over. It's out of here. Guys, I've got some big announcements coming up. Uh, some career changes coming up. So stay tuned. Next week or the week after that, we'll have some big news coming real soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.